We made this. Hello and welcome to Life's Milestones, the podcast about naming ceremonies and birth, weddings and relationships, and funerals and death, right here on the We Made This Podcast Network. Every fortnight I talk to a different guest, asking very similar questions, but they do change depending on everybody's life situation. And we talk about those three subjects in depth on the We Made This Podcast Network. My guest today is Chris Clough, who is a friend of mine that I've I've known for 35 years. Bearing in mind that we're both only 41, that's quite impressive. We met at school in the reception class, and we're both from, I think it's fair to say, 2.4 nuclear families, and we grew up in Wolverhampton, and then we both went straight to university after doing sixth form. Chris did... A very different course to me. He went and learned Japanese at the University of Cardiff, whereas I went to the University of Salford and did an English degree. But we've always kept in touch. We've always had a friendship that I think it's so special in its uniqueness that we'll be friends for our entire lives. And I treasure it. I do absolutely treasure it. And Chris's a fantastic human being who has always inspired me but more recently he had a relatively lucrative Japanese translation job but he was brewing really good beer in his basement and it got to the point where he could actually take the plunge and set up his own business as a brewer and that's so brave so so brave that it inspired me or at least it was part of the inspiration for me when I decided to quit my day job to become a full-time celebrant. And I'm always grateful to Chris for his friendship, but I'm also grateful to him because he's an inspiration to me as well. Quick note that this was recorded before the COVID-19 situation hit. So if you're listening to this when the episode drops, it won't have any references to the virus, which has its advantages and its disadvantages. In a way, I kind of like that it doesn't because... Isn't it nice to not talk about it once in a while? It does mean that there are some outdated references, and obviously at one point he suggests that you go to his brewery and try his beers. You can't do that if you're listening to this while we're still in lockdown. But you can do it in future. So, when the lockdown's lifted, if you listen to this after the lockdown's been lifted, why not have a look at the Torside Brewery website and see if you can bob along to one of their tasting sessions? So that's about it from me. I'm going to hand over to, well, past me and Chris Clough. With me at this time is Chris Clough, who is the CEO, head brewer, drayman, whatever you want to say, you are probably it for Torside Brewery. Yep, that just about covers it. Sales <laughs> monkey, cask wrangler. Yeah. Drain cleaner, <laughs> you name it. <laughs> and CEO, though. Sort of, yeah. Co-CEO, I suppose. Co-owner. Co-owner. Well, we are going to talk about birth, marriage and death. This is the Life of Small Stones 
podcast. But first of all, because I'm trying to get a hugely different and diverse load of people on, we're going to talk a little bit about you. And I know it's a relatively personal question, but how old are you? I am very nearly 41. 41, that is a good age. Yeah, seems all right, yeah. I was a bit... I wasn't sure about turning 40, but it kind of came and went and... Life goes on. I really <laughs> didn't do very much for my 40s. No, no, th- 30 seemed like more of a milestone yeah. somehow. Don't really know why that I, is. But. My 40s, I was just like, I don't want to do anything, I don't want to do anything, I don't want to do anything. And then people pestered me to do something. I was like, oh, meet me at the pub. <laughs> and it worked really nicely. I, sp- I spent my 40th birthday at the zoo. That's how mature I am. <laughs> good. This is a <laughs> good choice. <laughs> so where are you from and what is your background? I am originally from Wolverhampton. I lived in Japan for three years, then came back, moved to Manchester, worked as a Japanese translator for, I think it was 15 years in total, and then had enough of that and started the brewery. Brilliant. I mean, we went to school together. Um, yeah. I think I think we've known each other now for, what, 36 years? It's, it's something like that. I think I've known you longer than anyone that I'm not related to. Yeah, so. I think that's the same for me. We uh, we met in reception class, and yep. we've we've essentially been friends ever since. Yeah, that is that is a long time. We, we, we don't see each other daily like we used to, perhaps. But um, yeah, it's quite nice that though when you just meet up and catch up where you left off any time. Yeah, yeah I, I think perhaps if you've been friends with someone for 36 years, <laughs> you're, yeah. li- you're likely to be friends in your 70s, yeah, aren't you? I think so, yeah. Similarly, <laughs> cantankerous conversations. And, and the reality <laughs> is we're nearer to our 70s now oh, than we were, <laughs> you know, than we are to when we first met. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's, that's a thought. Isn't, isn't it just? <laughs> I mean, li- li- life's Jesus, about milestones, but it looks like you and I are going to see all of each other. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of cool, That right? is quite nice, isn't it? Yeah. So... The next question is, what do you do that makes you interesting? We've already kind of touched on the brewery about ten years ago. I remember coming around to your house, maybe even longer, twelve years, and you were like, "I've got a brewery in in, in my basement." Yeah, um, and, and, and that escalated to having one of the one of the most popular microbreweries in Britain. It's gone quite well, really. Yeah, do we, you want to tell the story of Torside Brewery? Yeah, well, there's. Um, I started home brewing. Yeah, I think it was about nine or ten years ago, roughly don't really know why. My mum was asking me what I wanted for my birthday, and I was like... And I think a homebrew kit came up on Amazon, suggestions. I was like, yep, fuck it. Brilliant. (laughs) So, so basically, Torside exists because, yeah, fuck it, buy me what you like, mum. Yeah, kind of, yeah. Brilliant. But it it turned out, uh, the two people I own the brewery with, Peter and Nick, who both happened to live round the corner, both started homebrewing at virtually the same time, doing very similar stuff. And then we... uh, met via a beer social media platform called untapped of all things we just kind of noticed we were drinking similar beers in similar places and lived near each other so it wasn't planned you weren't friends with them before no no they, they were going they were going to set up a brewery themselves in new mills with a third person who got impatient and set up on his own somewhere in stockport right actually got in touch with them because i no, they went and viewed a p- property that was going to be a potential brewery and the estate agent lying to them said oh we've had someone else to look at this as a brewery so they messaged me asked if it was me and i was like no that, that's just a lie <laughs> <laughs> but on the back of that um we decided to, it was worth setting up together rather than doing it independently and competing plus we could pull resources get a bigger kit get a bigger brewery staff on a bigger scale basically 
And um, so you started as Three Squirrels Brewery, is that right? And Nine Squirrels was my home, nine squirrels. home brewery, which is which is a, a stupid way of potentially writing my name in Japanese that absolutely appalled any Japanese person I ever mentioned it to. Okay. <laughs> so, so, I mean, I guess that's uniquely you. What, yeah, yeah, yeah. Why Torside? We sat down in Peter's kitchen with a list of well, it must have been 60, 70 names and dismissed all of them for one reason or another. So ended up just putting random words together, basically. The, the tours are the... Uh, it's kind of a gorge that runs under New Mills. It was quite a popular rock climbing spot, but it, it's quite unique to New Mills. And we thought the name would mean something if you're local. And even if you don't... Even if you're not local, it's not alienating particularly. It's quite a straightforward sort of name. And so... You set up a brewery together with two other guys, and did you did you expect expect the success that you've had? No, because we 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 set out to just brew things we like, which most breweries don't do. Most breweries brew beers that will sell, and we don't really do that so much. Is that still your business model? Yeah, yeah, completely. Yeah, we've kind of got a reputation for it now. I think our Twitter feed does specifically say that we brew unfashionable beers. So <laughs> we do a lot of smoked beers, a lot of barley wines, a lot of milds and old-fashioned things like that. So we just brew what we we like brewing, basically. I like milds, and I, well, I'm not sure I like barley wines, but barley wines like me. But, um, <laughs> the um, the monsters range are they barley wines? They're all like over ten percent. They're, 10%, they're, they're right? all imperial something or other. So we've we've done quite a lot of imperial stouts, imperial porters, through to really daft things we've done we we do a series of smoked barley wines we did a a peat smoked red barley wine last year that's probably the most stupid thing we've done i think brilliant we'll talk like later on after we've talked about birth life and death sure yeah. uh, we'll talk about how people can get your lovely beers <laughs> and barley wines and porters and stouts etc we, we will talk about that towards the end of the podcast Well, there's three sections. Shall we talk about birth first? That one seems to make the most sense. When and where and how were you born? I was born in 1979 in uh, Newcastle Hospital in Wolverhampton. I think it was a fairly straightforward sort of problem-free birth. It was during Top of the Pops, is the one random thing I know. Did your mum have Top of the Pops on while she was No, my, my dad was supposed to be there, but... There was no signs of anything really happening, so he'd gone home and then was annoyed that the phone call had come through to say I'd been born because he was watching Top of the Pops and, <laughs> and was enjoying it. <laughs> uh, so it your was, dad doesn't know who was number one the year you were the day you were born? I, he's since looked it up. I think I think it was a re-release of I Will Survive by Gloria Gaynor. There, all things. there are worse things yeah, to no, be at number absolutely. one. <laughs> it, was, uh, it was also snowing when I was born, despite it being late March. Which I was, was going to say, slightly March? Yeah, sl- slightly freak event. <laughs> I mean, I, I was actually born in the same hospital. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah. that, that doesn't really come as a massive surprise, as there's only I, one. I think most people we went to school with probably were. Yeah, we? it's true. It's true. Um, tell me your favourite story about your childhood. I, I struggled with this. I kind of came to the realisation I don't have many memories. I don't know if that's just... It's kind of something I've realised in later life, that I often just switch off. <laughs> and just, wow. just coast through things with them happening in the background. Coast through things and make beer. Yeah. My dad reminded me of something recently. That when he mentioned it, I did remember it, but I, I wouldn't have remembered it otherwise. That The um, first sports day we had at Warstones, which was the school we both attended, mm. I, I apparently won the sprint. Which, <laughs> which, did you? Which in itself is ludicrous. <laughs> but, but 
doesn't but sound I, like I you. I apparently got to the finish line, and rather than just win, I waited for two friends to catch up so we could all win together, which is extremely unlike me, really. That's, that's adorable. It's kind of cute, isn't it? But I mean... I vaguely remember that. I don't remember that, but... I think... I'm, don't know if my dad's making it up to me. <laughs> I remember winning the potato and spoon race in that in that sports event. Potato and spoon. There was no jeopardy, was there? If you no. drop a potato, no, no. <laughs> was that the sports day where um, there was a welly wanging competition and one of the kids threw it backwards? That sounds entirely plausible. Yeah. <laughs> and that, was, that, that, that I hadn't thought of, until you said Warstone Sports Day. <laughs> I had lost the memory of one that, of the kids is, throwing that is a welly backwards. The only sports day I remember at Warstones. There must have been one every year. Mm. There's only one I ever remember happening. I know. think maybe they all merge into. They're all so similar, yeah, you don't yeah. really remember. Yeah, but I do remember the kids throwing the welly backwards. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember which kid it was, but I remember it being really funny uh, that he yeah, threw it backwards. Yeah. I do remember that happening, now you, now you mention it. Uh. I was chatting to Nick about this earlier at the brewery. Another memory from a similar time that has come back to me recently was just of me standing in a classroom with a teacher wrapping a, a green curtain around me and giving me a... Orange wrapped in tin foil. Uh, me, it, it turned out I was one of the three wise men in the nativity play. But I specifically <laughs> remember that moment of standing there in the in the classroom with this orange going, "What, what, what, what is happening here?" I, I don't think anyone explained what was going on. Did the three wise men wear shower curtains? And I think it was a fabric curtain. I, I remember oh, it was okay. a curtain. Maybe it wasn't. I was. I was the the middle one. The the orange was frankincense. Apparently. Oh, was that frankincense? Yeah. Isn't there is photographic evidence of that? It did happen. It right. does look like a curtain as well. Okay, gold is gold. Frankincense was perfume. Perfumey and sort myrrh of, was, was an some, ointment. Is that right? To do with burial, isn't it? Myrrh. Yeah. So. How in the world does an orange represent perfume? I, I don't know. I've got a feeling it might have had like a bit of toilet roll on the bottom as a as a kind of holder sort of thing. Right. Okay. I think I'm desperately unpolitically correct, but I think I might have had a turban as well. Right. Well, it was Wolverhampton in yeah, the early nineties. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't particularly politically they, correct. They probably would have worn turbans, I suppose. Well, they were Arabic, <laughs> yeah, weren't yeah. they? What were they? I'm not sure. Actually. I mean, Jesus was Arabic. Yeah, yeah. Um, whether or not the, the the kings were from different nations well, of the they, world, they travelled from afar. Hadn't they? they did. I don't, I don't know which direction. It's East been a long presumably. time. It's <laughs> yeah, been a long time since either of us read the Bible. I think. <laughs> yeah, I think that's that's fair to say. But yes, good. They are good <laughs> memories. I'm, I'm glad that you have them because they've reminded me. Real or imagined? That. <laughs> well, well, you know, coming from Wolverhampton, perhaps imagined memories yeah, are yeah, better for both of us. It's probably best. We've, it? we've both lived away from Wolverhampton longer than we ever lived in it. Yeah, definitely, by a long way. <laughs> okay, so let's talk about children. Do you have any? I do not. You don't. Are you planning on having any? I am not, no. Was that a conscious choice that's always been the way, or...? Uh, yeah, I think I'm, when I was a child I just assumed I would have children. I don't, I don't remember there being a point when I realised I didn't have to, but that did come at some point, I think. Angara, my partner, and I have said amongst ourselves quite a few times that we'll, there'll probably come a time later in life where we'll think, yeah, we probably should have had children, shouldn't we? But for now we're kind of happy just not... Well- I remember in your late 20s, early 30s, you were both completely adamant that you didn't want children, mm. and a lot of people wouldn't believe you. How, how did that feel? Yeah, I, I, I 
don't in particular i don't think my parents believed me for quite a long time and then my sister had children and then they were like ah yes i see you know you don't want children i remember what that was like so, <laughs> i don't think it's anything we really discussed when we were younger particularly we just both kind of knew that we didn't really want children it's largely selfish reasons we like going on nice holidays and well and, and now hangout's got quite a fancy career that children would probably interrupt quite dramatically so. to be fair you've got two dogs that's yeah, kind of like yeah, having yeah. children they are well one in particular very childlike so that's toshi <laughs> that is toshi the the idiot saluki he's lovely but um, <laughs> yeah he's um, no, he's, I, not, I, he's not the most logical being i described him as a derp flop dog <laughs> earlier and yeah, um I, I stand by that it. yeah <laughs> whereas whereas cammy's kind of a respectable old lady pooch yeah. now Part cat, part fox. Yeah. She's quite chilled out. Do you feel like... Because I'm going to discuss about how, obviously, I'm gay and I haven't had children. Yeah. The, there was a lot of pressure on my brother and his wife to mm. have children because I wasn't going to have them. Do you feel that it was a similar vibe in your family? It was never... Nothing that was ever spoken, but, yeah, I think we both did feel there was an element of that. My, my parents, Anna and girls, were both keen to be grandparents, and they both are now, so they're both quite happy through through younger siblings yeah 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 and i think there was there was a relief for everybody involved i think including david and laura my brother and his wife um Mm. when they did have kids yeah how is uncle dumb is uncle dumb a word (laughs) why not why not it sounds better than auntie dumb that sounds sounds kind of vaguely sinister it does (laughs) yeah no it's lovely sonia's got um three kids now who all who all very lovely I, I found that I love being an uncle because I can have all of the fun, mm. fill the child with sugar, and return it when <laughs> it craps. Then leg it. <laughs> yeah. Have, have you ever changed an nappy? No, I have not. Neither have I. <laughs> Are you ever going to? Nope. Nor me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I genuinely love kids, and I, I love spending time with other people's kids, and I don't regret not having kids. You said you think you might in future? Yeah, I just think when you you probably reach a certain age and think, no, it would be nice to have kids and grandkids around, but um, it's not enough of a kind of impetus to actually want to have kids. So, yeah. mm. I think uh, it's, not a, it's not a particularly friendly thing to say, but I don't particularly like children, if I'm perfectly honest. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's per- the, the ones that are related to me I love to bits. Yeah, but, of course. But generally beyond that. Friends, children, yeah. See, take, I, or, take or leave it. I do like friends, children. I like, <laughs> I like, I like spending time with my scout group and stuff. But okay, yeah. there, are, there, are, there are people like you. There are people like me, and there are people who genuinely the major part of their life is that they have dedicated their life to their kids. Oh, yeah, yeah. That, that's what this podcast is about. It's about talking to all the different people with mm. all the different outlooks yeah, on yeah. life. And there's no real aim about it. I think it's just because people are diverse and i think that diversity is interesting no it, it is interesting when we just the the people so far apart on this kind of you, you meet people who like you say they leave school and having children is like number one on yeah. their to-do list then they're not even 20 and they've had kids the idea yeah. of, mm. i was still a kid at 18 I, I'm, yeah yeah I'm, I, I went to university and i thought putting hot water on a pot of noodle <laughs> was cookery you know i struggled having a dog when we were 30 so i mean mm. The thought of caring for another human being is you know, just terrifying. Really. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> Shall we move on to the section about weddings and relationships? 
Go First on. question is, are you married? I am not. I often say we're married just because it's easier than saying uh, meet my girlfriend or meet my partner or whatever. If people I don't know, I will frequently refer to Angela as my wife just because it's easier. You met when, correct me if I'm wrong, but you were 15, were you? Were um, you, you were 16? She was 15, I was 16. I yeah, think. you were... So we've been together, what was it, 23 years this year? Which, you know... If you had got married, that I mean, twenty five oh, yeah. is twenty five is what um, silver wedding anniversary, yes, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. So, <laughs> wow. I don't know what the average length of a marriage is in the UK now, but it's a it's lot. It's not twenty three years. Than that, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, w- what I will shoehorn in there <laughs> is that um, the most successful marriages are humanist ones. The okay, ones that yeah. stay together the most right, right, are right. humanist marriages. That is statistically accurate. Okay. Obviously, that was a massive shoehorn by me. <laughs> uh, as much as I want this to be diverse, I I am always going to be a little bit biased. <laughs> no, fair enough. So, you don't want to get married? Do you want to get married? No, not particularly. We um, we have talked about it briefly, kind of recently. But friends of ours had been been together a similar length of time. Just some point last year, said sod it, let's just do it. And they went to a res- registry office and then spent the afternoon in their favourite pub with a couple of their friends. And we, Amazing. we kind of think we, yeah, I could see us doing that, but at the same time, we don't particularly feel the need. So, so it's so it's nothing to do with not believing in marriage as a um, as, as a concept. I think Angara had had that a bit when we were younger, from kind of a feminist point of view, the the, the thought of your father giving you away and all that kind of really patriarchal old-fashioned side of it. She was really anti that. I think when we first got together, I was fairly indifferent towards marriage. Mm. And then I think over the years, Angela kind of talked to me against it more and more, and now I'm probably more against it than she is. So it's kind of... I've kind of realised fairly recently, one of the reasons I don't particularly want to get married is that I just hate being the centre of attention. Right. I just hate having the focus and the, the thought of spending a whole day when you've got all your close friends and family like spotlighting you for the whole day. It's just I can't imagine a lot worse. Really. As a as an institution, I've got not really any problems with marriage. It's the I think it's the it's the wedding bit of it. Right. Sort of. That makes sense, I guess. That's the thing. You and I have been friends for so long, but when you actually look at who we are, hmm. we're pretty much. The antithesis of each other in a lot yeah, of ways. Yeah, that, that's, that's I'm like, I'm like the super outgoing. Mm. I want everybody to look at me kind of a guy, and you were always the quietly intelligent uh, yeah, I, guy I, who I, just sat in the corner and I said like nothing being, and I like scowled being in the background. I kind of, it's been a weird thing with the brewery because I like I like to do stuff and then get recognition for it. But then when we get invited to go and do meet the brewer events and stuff like that, I always pass that over to Peter and Nick because I just can't cope with the I think I public went, speaking I thing. think I went to a meet the brewer event where your colleagues did the meet the brewer event and you sat in a corner and pretended you weren't the brewer. <laughs> you sat with that me and happened, drank yeah, your yeah. beer. Yeah, well, and I then, have done that. <laughs> I, 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 I mean, I'd already met the brewer. I just went to have a pint with you. <laughs> and uh, I, I, was, I was just sat there going, you're a dick. It was brilliant. <laughs> my, my usual excuse is that I, I've usually set up the event, sold the beer and delivered the beer, so I feel like I shouldn't have to talk about it as well. So you you are the only full-time member of staff in the brewery, yes, is that right? Yes, yes. Uh, we've got three, Nick and Sarah, husband and wife, are both there one day a week, and we've got one other employee who's also there one day a week, but I basically do everything else. Mm. 
sorry, but let, let's talk about marriage. Yeah, sorry, yeah. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> so, do, I remember when we were, again, probably late th- late 20s, early 30s, mm. you and Dan Garrod were talking about civil partnerships and how you didn't like the fact that only gay people could have them because mm. you felt that they were less religious. I think that did that did appeal to us more. Well, we nev- definitely never wanted a religious wedding, that because mm. we're... I wouldn't say we're both anti-religion, but we're, yeah, not. It's not really something that's ever made sense to either of us. I don't think. Um, so you both atheist, agnostic? Probably, I'd say atheist. Both of us, I think. Mm. Uh, again, that's not something we've ever really discussed. <laughs> yeah, I think, in all honesty, I'd have just stuck with atheist until I saw a humanist marriage right, and right. thought that was great, and then just kind of researched humanism when I decided that being a celebrant was what I wanted to do. Yeah, and. I would never... There's a, on, on, the, on the Humanist UK website, there's an Are You Humanist test. <laughs> and I'm just like, just just let people kind of drift towards what they want to be rather than... You, we, you, you don't get Are You a Muslim on, the, on, on, <laughs> on an Islamic website. Yeah. You probably already know that one way or the other. Yeah, <laughs> well, apparently you're born Muslim, remember. Okay, right, right. Um, so... We did go to our first humanist wedding last year, actually, and that was lovely, across the board. <laughs> Yeah, and um, my brother's wedding was my first humanist wedding that okay. I've been to, and it was uh, it was outstanding. And uh, obviously, I'm biased now, but <laughs> even at the time, I thought that it was. It's just more relaxed and personal. Yeah, there's being slightly less structured is what I like like yeah. about the one we went to. It was just less kind of regimented and just more of a chilled out day that reflected the guys getting married. The weddings I've done have have been wildly diverse and that's wonderful for me because it's a massive challenge but it's wonderful for the couples mm. as well because they have the wedding they want so you, you have shy people they do a repeat after me yeah. you have outgoing people they do their vows in these elaborate ways they write each other letters and they open them and read <laughs> them and it's the marketing term mm. your wedding your way but it really really is that yeah i think if we ever were to get married we'd definitely go that route mm. Just yeah, the, and, just the personalisation aspect of it. And the thing is, you can do a uh, humanist civil ceremony as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. But I, I mean, I think when we were talking ten or twelve years ago, it was. I think we were all right that the word marriage was more of a religious term than it is now. Mm. And also, yeah, you're probably right there. Yeah. yeah. But I think again, we were looking at that because only gay people could have a civil ceremony. Yeah. yeah. And there was a, it, at least in my head, there was a tradition of gay people not being able to get married. In a religious institution, mm. which yeah. again has changed in that time, and yeah, yeah. I've never wanted to have equality with a little bit of extra on the side as mm. a gay person. Yeah, so yeah. I was mortified when we got married, as, as we were allowed to marry, but we had civil ceremonies, and straight people couldn't have them. Yeah, that was a weird thing, wasn't it? The civil the civil partnerships still exist. They do. They do. What has happened is there was a huge discussion on whether they were going to cut them all and and. Yeah, uh, I remember term, seeing that on the news. The term upgrade has been used, <laughs> but I don't agree with it. Um, be converted into a marriage. Okay. Automatically. Or to open them up to everybody. And very recently, actually, in the last six months, straight people can now get a civil service. Well, yeah. Can, can get a civil partnership. I can see the appeal of that. It's, it's weird little times when it starts to niggle, like when you're filling in online forms and, it, and there's a choice between married or single. And, it's like, and there's nothing else. Neither the more tuned in companies will put like cohabiting or something like that. Yeah. 
there's still uh, yeah on my on my HMRC forms I have to say I'm single which is just weird really. it's, it's, it's it's impossible just, it's just incorrect yeah <laughs> it's, it's it's completely wrong you, yeah, yeah your adult life you've been with the same woman yeah I know it's 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 a bizarre thing really isn't it? yeah so in theory. <laughs> if you were to have a wedding or a civil ceremony, have you thought about what you would want in your wedding? Very little attention. Lots of good food, probably. Um, but beyond that, probably not. Right. And do you? Do, what about your first dance? With, uh, yeah, this is something we have chatted to about a few times. There's a song called "Cruel Melody" by uh, Blacklight Burns, who. Um, who were, who were a Limp Biscuit side project of all things, but brilliant. They're kind of nine inch nailsy, right? Um, but it, it's it's not. It's very much not a love song. It's about someone loving someone and not the other person not loving them back. And it's kind of <laughs> it's something you couldn't possibly dance to. Um, but, but it kind of ends up going quite heavy with the line um, "Take me away, I might as well be yours," which I quite like. And it, it, it's quite an antisocial first dance to be perfectly Fantastic. honest. Fantastic. I think it would probably suit us. <laughs> and anything we've come up with as ideas for that has always been something that is kind of celebrating us but at the same time saying we don't really like anyone else so they're kind of fairly brutal first dances love it I, I, that's the one i like most i think <laughs> <laughs> i i've not heard that song but i'm looking forward to adding it to the playlist i, th- I think you would like black light burns a lot and you should should investigate it i will Let's move on to the final section of the interview. We'll, we are now going to be talking about funerals and death. Sure, yeah. First question is a big one. Are you scared of death? I don't think I am. It's not something that occupies my thoughts very often. In some ways, I think um, the only thing that ever, if I think about it, it bothers me, is um, how me or Wangard would cope if the other one died. Because mm. our lives are both are so kind of intertwined that I can't think how either of us would cope without the other one. Yeah. But beyond that, my own death, I'm not, not something I really dwell on, really. I try not to, anyway. No, fair enough. <laughs> yeah. uh, but have you ever experienced the death of a loved one? Mostly. I haven't, haven't actually been to many funerals. Um, it'd, it'd be mostly grandparents. Mm. But even then, my, my, my granddad on my mum's side died before I was born. My grandma on that side died while I was away on a year out at uni. So it kind of happened in the background with that. Mm. And my mum didn't want me to disrupt anything and come home, so I kind of didn't really experience the funeral for that. My uh, my granddad on my dad's side uh, was ill for years and years before he died, so we all kind of we kind of accepted he was going to die. So it was that was quite a weird one because uh, at the funeral it was kind of like yeah he suffered quite a bit and. It was kind of like, yeah, nice that he... Well, not nice, obviously, that's a ridiculous <laughs> way of putting yeah, it. Yeah, um, It was... A, he needed to... A relief. Yes, yeah. And then, about, probably about a year later, that really just randomly hit me one night, and I got really upset about it. Mm. But not at the funeral at all, because that was kind of... Felt like a full stop sort of thing. And yeah. Because for years he hadn't really been able to communicate properly, and he was quite ill in bed, so... But grief is an odd, odd thing. You, it is, isn't you, it? Yeah. You, you, I, I don't. I don't think you can truly understand it. I think you mm. maybe you shouldn't be surprised if your experience happens happens to you because yeah. grief is well, it's 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 impossible to understand until you've had it, and everyone's grief is different too. Yeah. So yeah. it's a weird thing. There are a couple of more sudden deaths that have happened in my life. My my uncle died of a heart attack when. I think I was too young to really understand. Mm. And we didn't see him very often, so I didn't 
but he was very sad but I didn't really didn't really feel I knew him very well anyway mm. but then um, Angarad's granddad this is what, about 10, 11 years ago died in a motorbike accident that was just absolutely devastating that was because we saw him quite a lot and he was really really like full of life mm. lovely bloke and uh, yeah that funeral that funeral was that was pretty hard yeah just seeing all of Angarad's family completely devastating yeah that, that was the yeah the, the worst did he have a biker's funeral he didn't know he was um he was really into new orleans jazz okay so he had all, all i can't i can't can't remember it was kind of a bit of a blur after a bit the um there were definitely people there with kind of like the uh new orleans jazz umbrellas twirling them around Amazing. which was lovely the the year before he had i think it was his 80th birthday he'd had a big kind of jazz party with everyone dressed up in black and white and uh, his funeral in some ways felt like a continuation of that and it was quite yeah. celebratory but then yeah in, in other ways it was kind of terrible and i think that's the way you've got to look at a funeral is mm, celebrate yeah, two, someone's two life sides of it, isn't there? Yeah. yeah yeah so have you decided whether or not you personally want to be buried or cremated i'm kind of chuck me in a wheelie bin i don't really care wow <laughs> And Gav gets angry with me saying things like that, I mean, <laughs> as you might imagine. Well, I actually read an article relatively recently about how you can now be decomposed, which okay. is better for the environment, and they yeah, kind I'll of... Be happy they, with they, that, they kind of use you as, um... N- not soil, what's the word I'm looking at? Compost. <laughs> compost yeah. They use... You, you become people compost, and then your skeleton is still a skeleton so they right. um they just put you into the cremulator and then you've got your ashes so it's oh, the it's same as nice being though. cremated yeah. but yeah. more environmentally friendly i quite like that yeah rather than rather than a grand funeral of any sort anyway not yeah. legal in britain yet oh really okay but, but you know you're, you're, you're relatively young it could be legal <laughs> yeah, by, the, by time the time you get there by the time it becomes necessary yeah. mm. <laughs> you, did you know that that um ashes aren't actually ashes from a fire they're right after after you've been put in the um oven the oven okay <laughs> we'll call it the oven after you've been put in the oven everything other than your bones and any metal bits like um replacement hips or yeah um in my my case a metal plate in my jaw anything like that it survives the metal is recycled and okay. the bones are put into what's called a cremulator and it's basically flailed until it becomes dust okay right, right. and so your your ashes are actually your your bones right i, I did not know that no, no but people don't seem no. to know that and i suppose I, it's not something you think about too much i have a feeling i'm gonna have to tell this story quite a lot on this podcast <laughs> yeah. and then cut it out because i'll be telling <laughs> it a hundred times and then we're like bloody hell i listened to life milestones and mark told us about <laughs> the, the sodding ground again. human bones again <laughs> but i can leave this one in because it's an early episode <laughs> So, what do you think? Do you, are we going to go with compostable, I, I, Chris? I like that as an idea. Well, there's the, the, <laughs> the uh, Hunter S. Thompson firework idea I quite like as well. The, what's that? What's he that? had his ashes loaded into a rocket and just shot in as a firework. Amazing. Whether that's true or not, that's the, the legend has it. Anyway. Well, you get quite a lot of ashes. You could have a firework. You could, then, <laughs> you could then have some thrown into your garden, or <laughs> you could then have some in a necklace for somebody else. That <laughs> You get a lot of ashes, and you don't need a lot of ashes yeah. to make... It's a weird thing. I can't... I don't know if I know anyone who's been cremated and then had the ashes. I must do, but I can't imagine having someone's ashes in the house. That feels 
faintly creepy. I would follow various kind of dog forums on Facebook, and they mm. you can get dog ashes. And I've got my cat's ashes. I've got cat ashes I, on I, the mantelpiece. I can somehow see that more than a fellow human. I got, like, I got like a little. I got a little plaque with her name with Latifa on I, it. I got yeah. li- little cat ashes on the. Um, For pets, I kind of quite like that. Yeah. But it's a bit weird to make that distinction, really. Nathan, my partner, he 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 judges me. <laughs> I'm not sure whether whether I'll be allowed to get ashes of um, our cat. I, th- I think, yeah, I think some people who aren't as obsessed with animals, if you came to someone's house and saw there was a kind of yeah. animal graveyard on the place. I think what I've managed to do is I've kind of managed to manipulate him into accepting cat ashes because <laughs> I suggested we got the dead cat stuffed. <laughs> and he was like, no. <laughs> so, um, yeah, no, so, that, so like, that downgrading stuffed cat into uh, cat's ashes. I think, that, that uh, is, I think... That's just horrific. <laughs> I, I wish I was that bright. And I, well, I don't... Actually, I don't wish I was manipulative. That's an awful thing to say. But I think by having this idea of stuffing the cat, I've kind of, like, knocked him down to You'd the... You'd probably find that's a classic kind of business tactic in negotiations. <laughs> I'm not really Start off with something terrible and then move to the acceptable. Yeah, yeah, that was... Uh, uh, <laughs> it wasn't deliberate, but... You've, you've inadvertently done something tactically impressive. But, but I would feel like I was disrespecting the current cat <laughs> if I didn't treat her death in the yeah, same way yeah, as yeah. my first cat. Oh, yeah, I can understand. I'm talking about disrespecting a cat. (laughs) I I, I flick the bees at that cat every day. (laughs) Uh, Moving back on to my interview with with, with you, um, do you know what readings or poems or anything you would like said at your funeral? I couldn't really come up with anything for that. I'm sure there must be something. I'd probably come up with some kind of song lyrics that work as a poem. Right. I can't immediately think of anything. Most funerals I've been to have had the same one or two readings. There's the, whatever it's called, the four weddings and a funeral reading. Yeah, the yeah. clocks. What I found is that with humanist funerals, it's difficult to find stuff that's nice for a funeral that doesn't have the G word in it. Mm. So I've started, like, collating a list of mm. no, that, non-religious poetry that I can find use. that helpful, I think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I found it helpful because people will be in the same boat as me. They they, they were like, I don't want yeah. a god a god related poem in in my loved one's funeral. Can you make a suggestion? And early on, I was like, uh, whereas now I've got yeah, yeah. I've got like a just a PDF that I can quickly wing over yeah. to. Yeah, so can... it's hard to know. I've never been in a position to be speaking at someone's funeral, so mm. it's not something that's really. Com- um, and uh, grandma died last year, and uh, her dad gave a, an amazing speech at her funeral. What did he read? Do you remember? I can't remember now, but it, 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 it was more—it was more personal kind of mm. facts about her life and all she'd achieved and stuff like that. But it, it was really very good indeed. Mm. All right. Well, then this is much more on your kind of street. <laughs> there are people who love music, and then there's Chris. Um, so, what music tracks would you select for people to walk in for the entrance for the reflection when they have the time to think and pause and pray if that's their thing? And what about the exit music? What would you have? This is another one I'm kind of torn between two ends of the antisocial spectrum again. <laughs> the best way of putting it, either going with really upbeat, ridiculous music. There's a song called uh, "Let's Drink" by a, I think they're possibly Finnish Viking metal band called Corp Klani. I think it mentions potato vodka several times. Good, but it's got accordions. It's fast and upbeat and quite happy. When is that for the entrance? Probably at the end, I suppose. Oh, that's for the exit, okay. But then part of me is still the very much the morose teenager that would, like, really, really 
depressing downbeat music. I, I feel like Fourth uh, of July by Soundgarden would probably feature. Good. Okay. A bit of Soundgarden. I've, uh, probably. Uh, yeah. You probably should do more upbeat things, shouldn't you? Mm. I don't know. I think there's 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 a place for whatever you want, and this podcast comes from. The inspiration of a lot of people are now preparing their own funerals so mm. that people yeah, people have, get yeah. exactly what they wanted so that the family can see that that's what they wanted, which I, yeah, think, it's, yeah. I, think, that's a, I think that's a great idea, and, and I'm, I'm more than happy to meet with someone who hasn't died and plan <laughs> their funeral with them. Yeah, I think yeah, I suppose that must happen more. A than lot of people see it as maudlin or morbid or weird. I, I really don't think it is anymore. No, I think there's an aspect of that being more personal than someone... Well, the, it, I suppose you'd probably have a partner or a parent who knows you well enough to pick the right sort of thing. Yeah. It's more personal to you, I suppose. Isn't it? I think yeah. the, it's the, the music for coming into is the is the harder one, isn't it? To, yeah. I can see the, the kind of reflective bit in the middle and something a bit more cheery at the end, possibly. But mm. it's the coming in that's... Yeah, I, um, yeah, I struggle, struggle to come up with anything for that. I had a great funeral the other day where they um, they came in to um, <laughs> the theme tune from Lord of the Rings. <laughs> and nice, it's, it's, it's nice. just nice classical music, <laughs> and the guy liked Lord of the Rings, yeah, so yeah. why the hell wouldn't you? Oh, yeah, something classical to come into is probably quite a nice mm. nice way of doing it, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. And then, and bizarrely, my favourite... Oh, my favourite was... I had a wedding at the weekend and then a funeral the next week. And both the wedding and the funeral ended with the same song. Oh, well. <laughs> what song was that? It was You've Got a Friend in Me from Toy Story. Oh, that's cute. That's Isn't cute. it? <laughs> and when you think about it, they both bloody work for yeah, the yeah, two different yeah. things. Oh, that's quite nice, isn't it? Yeah. So that it, I, I think thinking out the box is a good mm. thing. Yeah, it's definitely yeah. a good thing. I think more the, the middle one, there's a song called... Uh, one more day, I think, by Vast. Okay, yes. It's a kind of, it, it's a you very, got me into Vast. It's a very sad song, but it's it's quite nice kind of sentiment. So there's, mm. there's a quite co- co- quite a quiet Coheed and Cambria song that's I think it's kind of someone singing to someone in a coma, but it's got kind of the line that mm. I'll always be there with you. Kind of the sentiment I'll always be there for you until you wake up, which is quite a nice kind of idea. Yeah, I, I, think I so. don't know what that song was called. Yeah. Well, look it up and let me know, and I'll stick it 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 on the playlist anyway. (laughs) That is Life's Milestones with Chris Clough of Torside Brewery Frame. So where can people find you and or your brewery on the internet? We don't really have an online shop, annoyingly, at the moment. We did have one at that that The company that did it kind of went sideways. But if you uh, follow us on Facebook and Twitter, we'll keep you up to date with uh, stockists. Um, probably mostly Greater Manchester, Nottingham, Sheffield are our main markets, I'd say. Mm-hmm. We're bra- branching out slightly more to, I think the furthest we deliver is Harrogate. And what's your um, handles for that? It's just at Torside on Twitter, it's uh, Torside Brewing on Facebook, and we're probably on Instagram. I don't do that. I hate Instagram I as well. I don't understand Instagram. No, either. it's like really complicated for the youngsters, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, yeah. not my sort of thing. No, no, Nick takes care of that. I think it's probably just that tour side on that as well. I know a lot of young people who, and I quote, do it for the gram. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't think <laughs> oh, I've ever done anything for the gram. Ah, uh, there's no hope, is there? No, no. <laughs> so, plug. This is your opportunity to plug your stuff. Tell people about you and your brewery and anything else you want to talk about before we finish up. Okay. Probably the, the best thing to mention, the thing that most people seem to like locally, we do brewery tap events the last weekend of the month over summer from uh, April to September. 
That's at the uh, brewery at New Mills Marina. And then in November we do a smoked beer festival, if you're into something particularly ridiculous. Tell me about the smoked beer last, festival. Last year we had 32 different smoked beers on, uh, some on draft, some in bottle. So this was Torside and other brewers it as well? It was mostly ours. There's about 10 guest beers, I think, mm-hmm. with the rest of ours. Kind of, uh, we did it to kind of showcase different kind of smokes. So we do kind of beech smoked, oak smoked, peat smoked... Uh, we did some stuff with smoked tea. I'm sure we did other things Smoke as well. Smoked tea, now we're talking. And on, on the day itself, um, Peter, one of my fellow brewers, has a smoke gun. So we invited people to bring anything that they wanted to try smoked. And people obliged in, in quite spectacular fashion. So Amazing. We, we tried smoked, uh, smoked tunnocks tea cakes were pretty good. Um, <laughs> smoked scampi fries were the revelation of the thing. Oh, I missed this. He tried, um, he blasted some smoke from the smoke gun into a bottle of Coca-Cola that was absolutely gorgeous. So... Are you doing that at your new at your festival again? Because oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, right, we, I'm coming. We've since brought Peter a lab coat so he can do it properly. I'm coming. <laughs> I've, I've got to come to it, that. It, it's a good fun event. Uh, yeah, it's going to be a laugh. This year. And that's on November. Will that be on like a, on, announced on Facebook and Twitter? Uh, yeah, it? the details will be coming out soon. The tickets will be out in the next couple of months, probably. It, it's a bonfire night weekend. Ah, uh, uh, that makes sense. Possibly the 7th and 8th of November, something like that. When, whatever weekend is nearest there. That makes sense. Yeah. Anything else that you want to plug? Anything else that you want to talk about before we say goodbye? Um, if you're after a lovely dog, support Greyhound Gap in Stoke. <laughs> Good. I agree with Just this. Just looking at our idiot Slukey in the corner there. Yeah, he's, 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 a, he's a curled up... Derpy gangle dog. When he's asleep, he's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> he's lovely awake, too. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining me on the Life Milestones podcast, Chris. It's no, been an absolute you. pleasure. Yeah. Very enjoyable, yeah. I'd just like to say one more thank you to Chris Clough for taking the time to sit with me and have a chat about all of the usual things here on Life's Milestones, birth and naming ceremonies, weddings and relationships and funerals and death and it was just a joy to catch up with chris and we went and walked his dogs afterwards which was brilliant as well because they're lovely dogs (laughs) as i said at the start of the episode the covid19 situation has hit chris's brewery quite badly he's having to go on furlough and then a couple of weeks back in and then furlough again and when this episode drops Chris will be on the last two days before another furlough. So you can have a quick look at their website and see if they are delivering to your area. They're mainly delivering around the New Mills area. But if you would like to try some of Torside Brewery's beers, there is a website, www.thirstclassales.co.uk. That's a larger Stockport brewer that Torside are friends with, and they have some of Torside Brewery's stuff on their website for you to order and try while you're in lockdown. So have a quick look at that and see if you want to chuck on some of, well, some of Chris's awesome, awesome beer and give that a try. If you listen to this after lockdown's finished, have a look at Torside's website. Check them out, see if you can go to one of their brewery tours, see if you can get some of their beers, and... Who knows, you might see it in one of your local pubs as well. Try some Torside Ale, because I tell you what, and this isn't just because Chris is my friend, they make fantastic beer. Thank you for listening to Life's Milestones, and I will see you in a fortnight's time. 
Life's Milestones is a podcast by me, Mark Adams. Follow me on Twitter at MarkAdamsHC. That's also my handle for Instagram. If you're looking for my website, it's www.humanist.org.uk forward slash Mark Adams. If you're looking for my Facebook, it's Mark Adams Humanist Celebrant. All the information on how to use me as your celebrant is there. The show's social media is at Life's Milestones on Twitter. Other than that, I am just using my celebrant contacts for the show. Thank you for listening. And we'll see you next time. Previously on the We Made This Network. By Projection Light. No Orchids for Miss Blandish has an interesting history to say the least. Upon its release in 1948, critics and audiences were scandalized by the subject matter, most notably the relatively graphic violence and open portrayals of sexuality. A bartender is smashed in the face with a glass jug, a man is beaten to death, and another two are shot in the space of about 15 minutes. As to portrayals of sex, there's a scene between Jack LaRue and Linda Travers, who play Slim and Miss Blandish respectively, where LaRue slides his hand into Trevor's cloth robe and cups her breast. Unsurprisingly, where the film wasn't banned, it smashed box office records. Don't say the C word. If you go and see like a polar bear or a grizzly bear in a zoo, you tend to see them do something, whereas the pandas were just sitting there being cute. Have you ever seen The Sopranos? No, actually. Maybe I should do that during lockdown. You should. One, it's the best TV show I've made, but also, pandas are kind of like a lot of the characters in The Sopranos, because they just spend most of that show sat there doing nouts and eating, but it's still somehow amazing. That's pandas. If I were to see them, I don't want to see them through bars or through glass. I want to get in there with them. This is a genuine question I don't know. Would a panda maul the fuck out of you, or would it be... Well, no, not me, but you, absolutely. (laughs) Right, so obviously I'd be behaving like an idiot. Is there a way to stop a panda mauling you? Punch it in the face, really hard. Don't punch a panda. Make it so. And either way, we don't really know exactly where Saru is, but we know Landry is with Lorca 100%. And so then that even creates a larger disconnect for Burnham that she's coming on the ship where people are loyal. And so she really is the outsider. We get a little dissonance with Stamets because he's like, well, this is science. And doesn't want to be involved in the war, per se. But... We get that Burnham is this complete outsider on every turn that she makes. And I think Landry's important with that because she is so devoted and loyal to Lorca. Check out all of these shows and more on the We Made This podcast network.